0: If we just took a human approach, a humanistic, maybe, approach, even to say, errors are common, mistakes are the norm, fear is no reason not to do it, because you might learn something.
1: Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, and I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host. And today is the first podcast of this new year. I'm kind of excited, can you tell? (laughs) I took a week off and I am just raring to go, folks. Oh my goodness. Um, Anyway, it's episode 31, and I'm talking today to Doris Fulgrave. I love this conversation with Doris because she's someone who dives into new experiences with both feet and she's got some great insights about it. First of all, she's a Myers-Briggs master practitioner and an accredited coach who worked for 10 years in leadership development and had a business preparing expatriate couples for their international assignments. Well, in her 40s, a move to New York for her husband's job left her on shaky ground. As an expat herself with lots of experience living in new countries, she knew it was more than just the move that had shaken her foundation. So she took some time off to reevaluate her business and her purpose and ended up launching a new business, doing something completely different calligraphy. <laughs> she became a teacher on Skillshare and has thousands of students, but that's not where her story ends. She realized that with her expertise in personality types, what she wanted to explore now was um, helping new couples develop and nurture loving relationships using personality type insights, and she launched a new business called Your Love Profiles. Doris is just one of those people who sees a path beckoning and follows it with gusto, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Oh, but before we do, I created a free guide for you designed to help you start taking the step towards your next act. It's a workbook called 5 Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. You can sign up to receive it as an email series. It has some ideas and practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. You can do these at your own pace as they'll be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. And I'll remind you at the end of the episode and tell you where to sign up if you're interested. Okay, here's Doris Fulgrave. Let's go. Hey, oh my goodness, Doris. Thank you so much for being with me. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I I always like to kind of mention where I've met people and uh, you and I met through What Works uh, the What Works Network with Tara McMullen. And my first time that I noticed you in the network was when we were both on the hot seat one day. And kind Wasn't of, that something? Wasn't that something? It was, doesn't that sound awful, people? <laughs> no, no, it was awesome. Though. It was really yeah, on the hot seat. It's, it's such a scary thing. Um, but it was really cool because I instantly felt connected to you and kind of where you're at in your um, journey of getting your business going. And, um, and so then you and I decided to chat and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you have a really cool story. You need to come on my podcast. <laughs> so here we are. Um, so I'll let you take it from here and kind of give us a little bit of your background and what has kind of brought you to your, your here and now. Right. Right. Um, Broad question. Okay. Yes, big broad (laughs) question. I was born
0: in 1975. Um, Yes, small village in Germany. So basically, since your listeners are here to hear about changes in life, right? Mm -hmm. So... I was born and raised in Germany, and then I moved around a lot. I studied in Scotland. I worked in London. I then moved to Barcelona, where I met my now husband. He's from the Canary Islands, where we also lived. And then his career took us to Mexico and to Texas and to New York City, and now we're in Brooklyn.
1: Wow. And remind me where in Texas you were, because I know you told me before. Dallas. It was Dallas. Gotcha. Yeah, the Burbs. Plano, Allen, over there there, McKinney and I grew up in El Paso little shout out to my (laughs) home state all right (laughs) so how long were you in Dallas six years
0: and that was in my so I left home I left um northern Germany, the village where I was born. Basically, I left that at age 19 to go um, to the bigger city of Cologne and do an apprenticeship. So professionally, I started out with an apprenticeship to be a secretary and basically uh, decided that That was probably not the best use of my talents so I then went to university and studied human resources management that was in Scotland Mm -hmm. and so basically in my 20s I was a student and an executive assistant and then um, in my 30s when we were in Mexico I didn't have a work permit so I was the quote-unquote trailing spouse and I did a coaching certification and then, once we moved to the states and I had a work permit again, I became an executive coach and a corporate trainer working with other expats because by that point, I had you know lived and traveled and worked in several different cultures. so that's what I was teaching to other people, helping them be successful and effective abroad.
1: Wow, wow, that was how my thirties. Yeah. How did you find clients when you were doing that? like what was your
0: What was the method?
1: Um, So at first I thought that,
0: hey, why wouldn't you hire me, right? So I did a a lot of kind of cold outreach to HR departments saying, look, you're sending people abroad. They would really benefit from talking to somebody like me because I've gone through the pitfalls. I didn't have any help. So I can save your people a lot of time. And then I learned a little bit more about the industry. So I just, you know... Basically, the way that I do it, that is, I think, my personality type. I enter a new situation or I have an idea and I think, oh, cool, we'll just do it. Right. So, we'll, we'll I'm very blue eyed, very, what is it? Green, no, wet behind the ears, or what's the expression? Sure, like, yeah, wet behind the ears. Optimistic. Yep. Yeah. Just thinking, you know, not knowing what could go Just wrong. Dive right in, right? <laughs> Diving right in, exactly. And <laughs> thinking, well, you know, why wouldn't this work? um A very straightforward line, a straightforward approach. And then I learned about the relocation industry. And it's actually very complex. So as soon as a company is big enough to send people abroad, they're going to need help with taxes, with housing, with schooling for the kids, and not just cultural adaptation. They also need language classes and destination services where somebody helps you with your work permits and how to find a house and you know where to go for your groceries and all that stuff. So um, companies that are big enough to send couples abroad to work Mm -hmm. they don't want to have to deal with 15 different individual vendors they Mm -hmm. deal with one service provider who then farms it out so I tried to do it by myself but for evident reasons it didn't really make sense um, in the industry and so I subcontracted for these relocation service providers.
1: Wow you are a (laughs) go-getter. (laughs)
0: that's a lot it is it is a lot and it's a lot of learning and it's also so very rewarding though and um it's yeah the more you learn about it the more frustrating it becomes as well because you notice especially in the western world how the cultural you know so Trying to explain culture to somebody is like asking a fish to recognize that it's swimming in water
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because nobody, I mean, when was the last time somebody asked you, how would you define your American culture? Right. You know, we don't usually think about it. And in the West, it's
1: very much uh, bottom line focused. Did you find that you were, were you working with clients who were expats, um, let's say from European countries coming to the States or was it, uh, from the States to Europe primarily, or was it back and forth? All over. Or, all over. Um, I've had
0: several, uh, Asian couples that I've worked with as well, several, mm-hmm. several Middle Eastern couples that I've worked with as well. No, mainly, mainly European, um, and especially when I was in Texas, so the some of the clients were oil uh, companies, right? So yeah. we had Norwegians and and um, Middle Eastern, and then it depended on the industry, really, because the the relocation service providers obviously have various industries that they work with. So there was basically tech in California, oil in Texas, and um, like insurance and stuff in in Georgia. Those were like my main markets. Gotcha.
1: And did you and you kept doing that the entire time you were in Dallas and then you moved to Brooklyn, right?
0: Um, Yeah, I did that in Dallas. I also worked for Ericsson. Uh, Swedish company where I was hired to do the onboarding program so every for two and a half years every Monday I would go and talk to the new hires and did the onboarding for them okay and then um, yeah once we moved to Manhattan I tried to relocate the the uh, my coaching practice because I that I also had <laughs> and I know this <laughs> several hats people keep up so I was (laughs) subcontracting I was uh, uh, in-house teaching and I had my own clients and then my husband's job basically took us from Texas to Manhattan Uh and I maintained my private clients and some of the um, subcontracting clients because then they sent me to you know New Jersey and Connecticut and like uh, places closer here
1: at some point I know um, that you switched over to, you moved away from that practice and that business. I did. And I I kind of wanted to see where that happened and how that happened for you. Right.
0: So we moved to Manhattan in 2013. And Mm -hmm. for about a good year, I was still working as a subcontractor. I was working with expats and I had my own coaching clients and Manhattan is a big city. It was a big change. So it's a a much bigger pond as well. So trying to uh, maintain my own practice was a lot harder than it was Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, Despite, you know, me coaching through Skype and everything as well. Like I had clients in Canada and, and that was all fine. But for some reason, Manhattan got to me where the Pa- the patient's almost said the clients that i was working with it was a completely different breed like the new yorker is a very different uh animal, quote unquote, from, you know, from what I was used to in Texas. And let's not forget, yes. I'm still European. So this whole American confidence thing is, is still something that I have to, you know, breathe through. Yes. Because-
1: and as a Texan who moved to New York for a while, I totally get what you're saying. You know, I love New York. I, that, oh, yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the reasons I chose to move to New York is because I love that energy and, um, and, and what that is. But yeah, if you, but it's the a culture tone- shock, right? the tone is
0: very different. Yes, and, and that's the thing. So you, that's the other thing. You have subcultures within the same national culture. Obviously, every state is different. So yeah. So I began to have a very hard time. And there was one, you know, client that just basically broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back where I decided, you know what, I'm just going to step back from this corporate malarkey and I'm going to take a wee break.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: um, that's what I did. And it coincided, it was the, so I turned 40 in, in 2015. And in hindsight, I think that may have had something to do with it, because the, you know, for some reason, the zeros, Just make a difference don't they they do um or they did for me anyway and the thing is that I wasn't prepared for it though because everybody told me when I turned 30 oh this is going to be you know 30 is a big one and it's going to you know that's going to be hard and it wasn't Uh it was fine so I wasn't prepared for 40 to hit me because nobody talked to me about 40 and um yeah but hit me it did and and so there we were and I was in a situation where Um, the work was more difficult I had a couple of friends in the city but I found it very unwelcoming and so competitive and so superficial and so not aligned with my own values you know cultural and and personality type wise that I just had a very hard time to to find my feet And again, this also came, you know, after having moved from Germany to Scotland, to England, to Catalonia, to the Canary. And so it's not like I hadn't moved before. Right. I, you know, I speak the language. I look like people around me. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't you, but that's, that's, yeah, a few things came together that really hit me over the head with a, with a concrete pole. And then um, I had to take a break.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, where did that go from there for you? Um, well, I reached out for help
0: and I did six months of cognitive behavioral therapy to work through some things that were, you know, blocking and, and limiting beliefs that weren't helping me adapt. Mm-hmm. And then um, during that time, I took up lettering and calligraphy and started feeling these moments of Zen and cause I was never really a meditation person. I was never, I tried yoga, but me um, at that time for around the 40th birthday, I decided, you know what, maybe it's time for a change. And um, at this point, I think it's only fair to acknowledge what a position of privilege uh, I'm in. Right. To say I, yeah. that I even could change that. I even could take that sabbatical and be, with the support of my loving husband, um, who's, who didn't, you know, want to see me unhappy and he said so let's focus on your mental health for a while and that's that's what we did and I'm very grateful that I was able to do that and doing the lettering and the calligraphy and using my hands to just make stuff and have something tangible because that's the other thing talking about culture and coaching unless there is it's difficult to put a tangible transformation Mm. um you know to to feel like you've accomplished something and that is something that my my personality type is driven to do i like to take things off a list i'd like to feel like I have done something mm-hmm. and you know clients aren't always able to to super articulate what you do for them until years later so there isn't there mm. may be an in the moment aha where their eyes light up when they realize oh yeah wow that's me and you've helped me do something, but it's, you know, it's a moment and then it's gone. And then you write something on a piece of paper and you put it on the frame and have it on your wall. And it's a reminder. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So yes. at the time I needed something that felt a little more tangible. And I decided mm-hmm. that that's what I wanted my business to be. And so I um, found a co-working space, like you said, the group of people. I have extraversion preferences. It's all about you know, outside validation and also outside interaction for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So I found this co-working space in Brooklyn, where I um, commuted from Manhattan for about 10 months or so until I made my husband (laughs) move over here. (laughs) And then um, this is so Brooklyn is where I found my people interesting just hopping across from manhattan
1: to brooklyn oh yeah that made a
0: huge difference oh my god absolutely because i had never wanted to live in new york
1: i had visited
0: new york and decided this is not for me i mean and when i say visit new york i say visit my friends in manhattan and we stayed in these beautiful places because you know they're very you know well well off people as well um Uh or were at the time and now they've moved away anyway i stayed in like not even any rough neighborhoods or whatever I saw the nice sides of New York and didn't like them so (laughs) to live in the middle of Manhattan we were in um, we started on 59th and Uh um, and 9th if that means anything to people who are listening who are not from New York this is the southwest corner of Central Park so it's beautiful yeah it's a great neighborhood yeah nice backyard to have you know Um and then we moved down to thirty eighth and ninth, which is Hell's Kitchen, which at the time was already you know gentrified and and um all the gay bars, all the gay discos, beautiful restaurants, nice um places to go out mm-hmm. and um yeah, but it was too much for me, too much of a hustle and bustle, too many people too frenetic. oh my gosh, yeah. And I'm someone who walks really fast all the time as well. So like there was not a problem there, but it's just too much for me. Yeah. And Brooklyn was, oh, I can see the sky again.
1: Ah, oh,
0: Yeah. Oh, I can collaborate with people. We have a room where we sit and we work together and then we go out in the kitchen and there's always someone to have a chat with over a cup of tea. Yeah. There are dogs on the sidewalk. There are, you know, mothers pushing prams. Mm -hmm. It has a much more communal feel. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And um, yeah, I like the proximity to a city, but I don't like to be in the city. And those are all things that I've learned, you know, having yeah, lived in time, all the places.
1: Right. It's it's yeah. one of the benefits of aging is you get to know those things about yourself. <laughs> yeah, and
0: those are, I mean, so when it, I mean, hindsight is your friend, right? Um, mm-hmm. I wish many times I wish that I had all this knowledge in while in the messy middle. But yeah. um, hindsight definitely helps, and I'm also a big proponent of self-awareness. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing, and a little goes a long way. So the older I get, the more I want to honor my preferences, right, my personality type preferences. So the the job that I'm doing now, the models that I used in my 30s in in corporations I'm using now with romantic couples, and one of them is the Jungian um, uh, model of psychological types. Mm -hmm. which the listeners might have heard of in um, through the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which is the instrument that, you know, adapted his theory into a questionnaire that is used literally by millions of people every year. So your MBTI, that's just four letters. And it just gives you a lot of information about how your brain is wired. And it explains, it doesn't explain everything. But it does explain a lot and specifically in combination with your cultural preferences, which is something that I've done some independent, you know, qualitative research into mm-hmm. um, how, where you grow up and when you grow up modulates the expression of your type preferences, because obviously everything happens in a context and mm-hmm. whatever, you know, society deems appropriate is what you're allowed to show mm-hmm. and what you get taught that is is um, doable or not. So knowing myself and uh, doing some sort of inquiry al- with the help of these models um, that are, you know, um, based on scientific research, like you can, you can rely, they're reliable and valid, right. um, that really helps. And yeah. so now I have like a whole different language around why is it that I'm frustrated? Well, because I haven't accomplished anything, right? Mm -hmm. So what could make me feel maybe brushing? So during, during the time when I was really deep in the depression, um, brushing my teeth counted as an accomplishment, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right? Those kinds of things. So um, yeah, self-awareness is, is really helpful. And knowing that I don't do well in big cities um, and knowing that having the the confirmation from my husband to that it's okay to put my mental health first and really take care of myself that was really really helpful as well
1: yeah that's it's amazing when when you can tap into that kind of support uh from somebody who's so intrinsically part of your life yeah That's, that's a that's such a blessing yeah when you so you you stepped away from the coaching and you started doing the calligraphy to kind of Mm -hmm. give yourself kind of part of your self-care right journey. Yeah. And and then that started to become a business for you. Yes.
0: Yes, it did. Um, again completely new completely different (laughs) I didn't know what I didn't know so I just went in you know fully wide-eyed bushy-tailed going hey
1: this is fun Uh
0: uh um and looking back at my previous pieces oh my god I was so bad (laughs) um But I was having a good time and then I learned and I went back into this beginner's mindset and there wasn't any ego attached to it because it was so different from what I was doing, it was just something brand new to do that I had fun doing. And eventually people were commenting on it and saying oh hey you've improved that's good. And then the yeah the, the, some people in the co-working space started hiring me for some of their projects which was nice a good yeah. validation and that gave me some more confidence because obviously you know I'm like everyone else I'm also scrolling on Instagram and and comparing myself negatively uh, to people who've been doing it for 20 years yeah um so confidence does get low every once in a while but um stop yeah. the scroll
1: people stop oh, the terrible. scroll it happens to me with, the phone. with photography too I I yeah. I get in and I see some, you know, there's so many good photographers out in the world and I go and look at their work and I'm like, what am I even doing? Like, I'm so average. You know, you start to just that voice. Awful, awful. Yeah. So there you go. What's
0: even the the point? Right. Terrible. But yeah. Um, no. And, and, and that's the thing. So to, you know, for somebody who is who's who might be listening, who is in the position of what's the point? What am I even doing? So many other people are so much better than me. They think the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just everybody is what was it trying to walk each other home like we're just trying to walk each other home. We are there's space for everyone. And, um, wherever you are in your journey or I, um, anyway, sorry, putting my whole coaching hat on, I'll take oh, that off again. I love that so, term.
1: I've never heard it before. We're all walking each other home. Go, go into that a little oh, yeah. further for me. Cause I love that. Just the idea of it. And I'm not sure I can hang I my tried head i on- trying to think,
0: was it, was it Rumi? I think it might've been a Rumi quote, but yeah, we're I'm all, roomy, you know, so. every, yeah, everybody is, is on their path and you don't have to compare yourself to others. You just, if you do what brings you joy, then that puts an energy in the world that, that nobody can take away from you. And so for me, doing the lettering and the calligraphy and learning this completely new skill and being aware that I'm not the best at it, I filmed myself and I put up a class on Skillshare anyway. hmm and I still get new students every day. In fact, this morning I left a couple of comments because I'm I'm the kind of, you know, having been a trainer and um just having a, a teaching mindset, obviously if somebody asks a question, like I make it, it is a joy for me to give proper responses and to really interact with everybody who leaves a comment, kind of thing. So um I still do that this morning. I, and I have more classes on Skillshare as well. And it's, they're not I am I'm never saying that I am the expert I and I the thing is I don't have to be I just have to be one step ahead of the person who wants to learn from me Exactly. and I don't just learn from one person either I have many mentors and I have taken many classes and I have read many books as Mm -hmm. you know some of them are behind me
1: yes you Um, have a great bookshelf behind you on the the shelf eyeing it
0: (laughs) you know it's the let's get out of our heads that we have to be perfect from the get-go and that um oh there's another beautiful call let me see if I can get it together the no no knight or no king is a hero to his valet you know
1: oh yeah everybody
0: everybody uh, yeah that's the thing I don't know so the other thoughts that I have had that are obviously not very well formed (laughs) (laughs) is that the if we just took a human approach a humanistic maybe approach even to say errors are common mistakes are the norm fear is no reason not to do it Mm -hmm. because you might learn something But then, of course, I would say that because that is just my whole type preferences is about personal growth and development. So I would say that, you know, there are other people out there with personality types that are a lot more geared towards stability and continuity. So they are probably turning off at this point. (laughs) Um, I hope not. But
1: um, If yeah, they're there's... listening to this, I think they're probably <laughs> more in tune with where you're going. There we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that's that's a thing. Yeah, change change is a good thing, and it's scary though. This, when you when you're starting something new and you don't know where it happened, uh, what's going to happen, or where it's going to lead you, that that can be weird. But um, also, that's where where the growth happens, right? You have to be. You yes. have to make yourself uncomfortable.
1: Yes. I'm all about that. It's all about stepping into that discomfort. And oh my gosh, you're hitting on so many of my favorite <laughs> favorite topics like beginner's yeah. mind. I mean, I really do think that um that the trick, I, I call it, you know, really the fountain of youth is stepping into being a beginner. Um, because we did that all the time when we were young. It was, it was just part of. Being young, you're just mm-hmm. always a beginner at something, and I, and I think that you know if we could step into that as much as we can make ourselves do that, it's going to give you energy um, for for you know along your journey. It's like step in and and be afraid, like, be afraid and do it anyway. And, Mm -hmm. and get in there and accept that you don't know everything all at once. And it's okay that you don't know everything all at once. It's part of it, you know? Yeah.
0: What really helped me as well um, is again, the, the hindsight thing and the looking back, because I get that it can be difficult when you're in it, you know, the Mm day-to-day when you're just trying to get your bills paid or your kids off to school and, you know, you haven't slept well and the coffee hasn't kicked in or whatever, obviously there, (laughs) there are times that are trying,
1: Mm -hmm. but
0: if you to you know if you're able to take a step back and look at overarching themes like i said so in my like in my 20s i think i've lived in in i don't know tell 10 12 different places um even moving within cities and stuff and um it can be difficult or, or or not easily apparent uh, what your purpose is right because that's I think in my 30 20 well late 20s early 30s actually my late 20s I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna play around uh, until I'm 30 and then I'll get serious right yeah. so I gave myself my 20s to just because I think that's what you're supposed to do if you're looking at the whole span of your life and we talked about this a little bit before you're not supposed to have it all figured out so for me in terms of figuring out what is my purpose like all these big questions I like the big questions but I also get easily lost in the ether then and completely lose you know my grip on reality so that's where I like the models to come in to give me some sort of boundaries I respond Uh very well to boundaries I am German after all (laughs) um so the I think in terms of, you know, what's, because I, I know people are asking that, right? I know, or at least I was asking that myself. Like, if I'm not supposed to be a secretary, what am I supposed to do? Okay, coaching. coaching's great. I like communication. I like people. Coaching seems like a good way to go. And then I did that and I hit my 40s and hit that depression. It was like, well, maybe I'm not the right person because people actually sometimes piss me off. And um, <laughs> so maybe I'm supposed to be doing this creative thing. And uh-huh. actually, it's completely aligned with my type development because the third function I have, extroverted sensing. So I think the older we get, the more we go into this individuation process, little Jungian tangent there for you. The older we get, the more whole our system wants to become. So we actively seek out experiences that we had, haven't had before so that our brain can do these other things. Uh-huh. Right? anyway uh some people call it midlife crisis i call it individuation, or jung did anyway um it's it's always going to be different and i have for now for myself accepted that i my life goes in phases so that's why i try to describe it now in decades right in my 20s i did this Mm in my 30s i did this in my 40s i'm doing two different things now like i said for like four or five years i did the calligraphy and lettering I still have the classes up online, but I'm not really that active there, except to give feedback to students who have questions. So I'm not marketing that or anything. Skillshare is doing that by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm back to uh, coaching couples and working with self-awareness and, you know, self-actualization for other people. How do you want to date, who you want to be in the world? Okay, so let us before you go that, into that. Oh, sorry, go, no, I ahead. don't. Just to, to fi- finish the point, I don't know what I'll be doing in my fifties. I'm right. just saying this is what I'm doing now, and um, Elizabeth Gilbert put it really nicely in her Big Magic book. She said,
1: "Forget about your passion; just follow your curiosity. Yeah. Wherever it feels good, go there." Mm-hmm. So what? Where I was gonna? Sorry, I interrupted you earlier. Where I was? What I was gonna do was. Because you mentioned it a couple of times, you're working with couples, but we haven't gone into the transition from um, from doing the calligraphy, calligraphy, easy for me to say, and then moving into working with couples. So tell us yeah. a little bit about that journey. Like what happened? Yeah.
0: So um, in a nutshell, Esther Perel happened. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know her or haven't heard about her, she's a uh, Belgian lady, I believe in her 50s maybe early 60s she's had she were she's a couples therapist and um a researcher and really a, a mensch i can't say it any other way i love her approach she's famous for a couple of ted talks that she did and a couple of books that she wrote they are called mating in captivity and the state of affairs where she talks about um couples in her practice who yeah, who come to her with infidelity issues, and then how she basically blows the lid off this whole idea of monogamy being the only viable option.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in, I feel like we're at a time in the world right now where we're trying to break out of a binary system that is yes, no, black, white, good, bad that i am i was really ready to hear those messages of it's okay to be who you are mm-hmm. and it's okay to make your own mold and it's okay to define your relationship the way you want to define it
1: mm-hmm. i think um, if, if so i've only recently discovered her work and I, what i've taken from it so far is the idea that um we look to if we're talking about the 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 romantic relationship and marriage um that that we've come to this idea that it's like the soulmate and the the one all the one all be all relationship and what i've taken from from what little i know of her so far is the idea that it it's you need to embrace the idea of getting different needs met in different relationships right is Mm -hmm. it would you say that's right absolutely it is
0: unrealistic to expect one person to be your best friend to be your partner to be your lover to be your supporter to be your cheerleader to be your you know person on the couch that you watch tv all of that we so many expectations are being put on one person that you can't help but collapse under the weight of it Mm -hmm. and so with her work I feel like she is creating space right yeah and I think that is that I mean so she obviously does it for therapy so she kind of looks back a little bit and her questioning is very much around you know, what does, what does it represent in your life or what are attachment issues, what are attachment wounds or whatever. And um, I'm using her work or I'm trying, trying to, uh, my idea is to apply her work to coaching, which is a little more future focused, a little more actionable. But the point of coaching for me is to create options for someone so that you don't feel like you have your back against the wall and that you have to do this one thing and that you must you know so it's for me it's about broadening the gaze and opening the horizons and figuring out what works for you so um, I use some of Esther Perel's kind of tenets um the work that her the part of her work that I'm most familiar with because that is the workshops that I've taken is around you know sexual identity and the sexuality in the relationship um that is just part of what I do with couples so um my cornerstone is the personality type piece where I go through a self-discovery process with my clients and then we land on their best fit psychological type And then I create what I call love profiles where we compare your type preferences with those of your partner side by side and looking at exactly how the communication differences come out, the conflict management differences come out, and how to bridge them. And then that way you can co-create a relationship together that leaves space for both of you. So you don't have to give up your identity. You don't have to become part of a whole, right? So this whole, in Spanish, the the expression is media naranja. I'm your half orange Mm -hmm. or my other half. We have that in English as well. Mm -hmm. And this is very, or I take very much the view of, no, you're a whole person and your partner is a whole person. And that means that they get to have their own ideas. And if you want to be in relationship, Both of you get to decide how you want that to look, and I can help translate um, why you want it to look your way and why they want it to look their way.
1: Yeah, this is so cool, because you have, (laughs) like, your journey has been, like, these are huge pivots that you've taken, and it's, um, and when you, boy, when you dive into something, you really do. I Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Um what so so how did I want to go back again a little bit on how you discovered Esther Perel? And I'm Oh yeah, Sorry. I never answered that question, you, did I? <laughs> yeah, well well you did. You did. Um, but I want to go a little bit deeper if it's okay. Um I'm 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 guessing that there must have been a personal aha. Mm -hmm. you that you perhaps then felt like you needed to share with people Mm -hmm. through your coaching um right that's kind of what happened for me personally um a few years ago for me it was mel robbins and um i you know i was in a i was in a low point energetically and um my 40s, my 40s were tough. I was just talking to my husband about this and I'm looking back and I'm like, I feel so much freaking better now than I did pretty much through my whole, the decade of my 40s. And um, as I was 47, 48, and I knew I was getting closer to that zero, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was like, I didn't really, I don't think I felt like I was heading to a crisis, but I had to, an awareness that that 5-0 was coming and I, I didn't want to continue to feel the way I was feeling. And for me, I found Mel Robbins and it, uh, her book, The 5 Second Rule, for me was a, a game changer and led me down a whole series of personal transformations and finding other people and other coaches and other, um, other pers- self-help type stuff. And it created such a change in me that I started to get really excited about my next 30 years ahead of me. And that's what led me to the idea of the podcast and wanting to share this idea with other people. Um, so that, you know, cause I thought, well, if anybody's feeling like I was feeling, I would love to kind of give them, you know, the, the way to the next, the next phase, you know? Yeah. Um, so is that <laughs> similar to what happened for you? So first of all,
0: I just, I thank you for sharing that. Thank you for offering this podcast to everyone because seriously, you're not alone. I think people, I'm, I mean, I'm even going to go ahead and and say probably women our age really feel that because we're at at such a unique point again in, you know, in time where it's okay to be who we are. We're getting more and more messages and we need still though the encouragement because the patriarchy is so in you know intrinsic and involved and embedded um so that we can't be what we can't see and you are showing up as somebody who says hey it can be done and you're encouraging mm-hmm. others so just you know thank you yourself That's on the part. back for that very good <laughs> um yes and to now finally answer your question <laughs> um so i yeah my the, the time that I spent working in calligraphy, I had clients, I did um, wedding invitations, I helped with a couple of websites and logos, and it's beautiful and very much fun. And throughout those four years, people kept talking to me about type, people kept talking to me about their relationships. And based on I,
1: what they already knew, you had a specialty in because of the coaching yeah, work that you'd previously done, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh-huh. So
0: um, it's, but it's you know I'm the quintessential people person. I love people. I love understanding people. I love uh, talking with people, and as soon as I say I'm an MBTI master practitioner, the questions come out and, you know, a lot of skepticism comes out also and I welcome it and it's great. And yeah, so I just, I couldn't get away from it. Hmm. You know what I mean? So there was a part of me almost that also said, well, you know, universe, if you're, (laughs) if that's what you want me to do, (laughs) maybe I'll just have to go back to that and it's going to be fine. Um, But I had to do it on my terms. So the, a lot of i mean obviously money is is a consideration right
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the money for coaching and or or a lot of high high paying and uh, you know well earning coaches are in the corporate field because businesses just have more money and i i know that that's not what i want to do though because yes money is important but mm-hmm. it can't be everything because i was miserable i've done that i've been there i have the t-shirt and the you know the therapist to prove it so it's not for me and it comes back to honoring my preferences and and really standing in my own self and growing beyond this I should be doing it because Mm -hmm. other people expect it or because Mm -hmm. it makes financial sense or whatever reason it, it may be this this my last few years and I f- suspect the next at least 20 are going to gr- be about growing out of the shoulds that mm-hmm. I have internalized yes and that is something that I'm excited about yes. because I'm looking forward to finally giving zero f's about what other people think I'm not quite there yet I'm already better than I was five or ten years ago right mm-hmm. but um Yeah, it's a it's a constant process. So I changed back to coaching, because I never not loved it. You know, Um, it never was not important in my life. (laughs) If that's too many negatives. Okay, but you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've always appreciated the knowledge that I gained and the connections that I've made with people. And The learning that I've gathered, not just for myself and the insights, but also about other people, which again, for me, it's about connections and relationships and growth. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so it's, it's nice. I was, eventually I decided I was ready just to step back into that again, because I was being pulled and I was getting messages and I was finding new people that were so exciting and they were so. Someone like Esther Perel was showing me a different facet and a and a different door to walk through to try something else. There you go. And what I also there was also a moment where I got really honest with myself again. Um, calligraphy was something I loved. I still do. I I still pick up a pen every once in a while and I still doodle and I have, you know, an Instagram account dedicated to, hey, this is while I was listening to this podcast, I doodled these flowers. Hmm. All right. Actually, yeah. Didn't I do that for one of you? There we go. You did. and it's Very cool. So it's not that I don't do it anymore, but it's it's probably should have stayed in the hobby section. Mm -hmm. And there is maybe another nugget in there for the astute listener, just because it doesn't work out the way you want it to. And just because it doesn't turn into the career that you want it to, it's not time wasted. It is still valuable to have learned those things about yourself and enjoyed the time that you had with
1: it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know know it sounds so cheesy and maybe uh, uh, stereotypical or I forget, I, I can't get the word I want, but. That idea that it's all about the journey. Guess what? It's all about yeah, the journey. It is. It's a cliche. <laughs> thank you. It is. Re- it is. It's all about the yeah. journey, and uh, yeah, it really is. It's. N- there is no such thing as wasted time, if you're oh. especially. Well, I mean, it, it could be. I mean, you might want to think it was wasted time if, if you had a, an experience perhaps that was super painful, but even in that even in, even in like going down a road that, that was, that you now can identify for yourself as having been a tough wrong road. There's still something to take from that. That's going to feed you and you can take that bad experience and turn it into food and fertilizer for the next step in your journey. I guess that's what I'm saying. That's it. And allow things to
0: change let's see I know we're we're almost out of time but yeah so, so for the for the current situation um so due to COVID the I decided to uh, no longer go to the co-working space just you know to be safe um and that's why I joined the online network what works mm-hmm. that that we are both members of and to f- continue connecting with people and finding camaraderie and 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 support and um so yeah that's that's one of the the things that I'm working through now trying to build a business again from scratch and trying to build um a community around this or you know just getting clients to start off with obviously yeah and work and share the work and um yeah I'm so I'm so glad to get to talk about it with you.
1: Me too. Me too. And I we could talk to you all day long. And maybe, <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to come back and do it again as a check oh, yeah. in a little bit further down the line and see where we're at with the business and what the next part of your path is. You know? <laughs> That'd yeah. Be awesome. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there you have it. If you want to schedule a free consultation with Doris or join her 30-day self-love challenge for busy people, I'll have that information for you in the show notes. Just go to latebloomerliving.com podcast and click on the show notes for episode 31. While you're there, you can also find a link to the sign-up sheet for your free guide, The 5 Steps to Your Midlife Reboot thank you so much for listening and hey, if you got something out of this today and it makes you think of someone you know who might need an inspiring story, can you please take a minute to share this with them? I'd really appreciate your help in spreading the news. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.